We are DB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you might endeavour have seen. This week, rated as number 23 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. Released in 1977, starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford as the three leads, A New Hope is a science fiction fantasy film set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I always thought that they were trying to make like a fairy tale feeling with that setting. Like why else set it long time ago, a galaxy far, far away? It makes it seem like an old folklore story or something. That might have just been part of, like, the times, too. It might have been a stylistic choice that was common. Yeah. You know. Based on an original screenplay, the film is written and directed by George Lucas. It was nominated for ten Academy Awards, and it won seven. Really? Now, we've already covered Empire Strikes Back in episode 13, which is the direct sequel to this from 1980. And we do give a brief rundown of the different Star Wars trilogies, and we explain how this film was originally released as Star Wars, and then it was changed to Episode 4, A New Hope, um, following a re-release. So even though this is Star Wars Episode 4, it is the first one ever made. And if you want to hear more about that and the background, in case you don't know anything Star Wars, I recommend going to check out Episode 13, where we cover Empire Strikes Back. Now, I say original screenplay, as it was written that way, but I should mention that it was heavily inspired by other works. Particularly science fiction authors like Edgar Rice Burroughs, who did the Tarzan series and the John Carter novel series, Edwin Arnold, and even Jules Verne. He was most notably inspired by the comic strip Flash Gordon and the works of Akira Kurosawa, particularly his 1958 film Hidden Fortress, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago when we covered the Kurosawa's film Seven Samurai. So this is the first Star Wars movie. Um, this is the first Star Wars movie I'd ever seen. I just said to myself, like, this is such a fantastic premise then, and it still is now. Like, that's why it's been so wildly successful, because I don't think you'd ever really seen anything live action set in space before, had you? Well, there was obviously the Star Trek TV series before this in the 60s. There was Doctor Who, Lost in Space. It was a pretty big revival around the whole space exploration thing. But the thing with this is it's Star Wars. So you've got this really awesome, you know, space battle scenes that just with all of the movies just keep getting better and better. Um, And this is pretty much the first one where you actually see these fight scenes and these battle scenes with ships and you've never, you know, they're so interestingly made. They're like nothing you've really ever seen before. You've got your TIE fighters, you've got your X-Wings, you've got, um, what are they, battleships? What do you call those big... Yeah, the big triangle ones. Star Destroyers, is that what they're called? I do think the ship design is pretty incredible. And the way they continue to incorporate them throughout... I just, that's my favorite part about Star Wars in general is because that's something, you know, I love fantasy because I love the escapism of it, right? So this is like nothing that had really ever been seen before because even in Star Trek, I don't think you had aliens looking the same way that they do in Star Wars. 
Yeah, in Star Trek, they're always sort of humanoid. Yes. They look like humans wearing makeup. Whereas you go into the bar on Tatooine where we first meet Han, and you've There's got all, all these of bizarre yeah, looking creatures. And I, I said to you, I said, they look so good because they weren't CGI. They were actual costumes yeah. and puppets and everything. And that, I think, really added to the movie quality. I, th- I think I mentioned in the episode on Empire Strikes Back how weird this is as a series. Like, if you think about it, they're humans in a galaxy that's far away that doesn't mention Earth, which is kind of a weird premise. Um, they're kind of humans, but not really. And there's all these different systems and planets. And it's it's kind of a weird thing to get your head around. And then there's the Force. You have to put in this supernatural element behind everything. That's why it's so awesome. Yeah. I'm just wondering how risky it would have been to produce this. The audiences in 1977 are starting this movie and it starts with this expositional dialogue about like these rebel forces and there's an evil galactic empire and it's like this politics. And then it goes on and talks about, like I said, the force and there's these creatures. It plays very much like a sequel. And I'm just wondering, do you think that would have been a hard pitch? I think that sounds very risky because audience would be like, what the fuck am I watching? I honestly think they would have been. And it was only after its re-release and people actually enjoyed it and the sequels that it became renowned. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you my experience as someone who I didn't see any Star Wars till I was in my 20s. And I watched them in order of release. Which I think you should do. Yes. Here's the difficulty and the difference that you'll never get away from is the fact that when I watched it, you know, I knew all the spoilers and I knew the main characters-ish and everything and the main premise. That said, I didn't know the plot very well. And so Mm. when I went into it and, you know, you've got the expositional narration. It's not even narration. It's, you know, the strip. It's reading, yeah. The reading at the beginning. I wasn't lost by that. That was helpful to me. Okay. I didn't feel like I was going into it blind. I didn't feel... Like, I was missing a piece. And retrospectively, sure, it feels like a sequel, but in the moment, it didn't. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, That's just me personally. There's other people who would probably argue against that. But I think, would it have been a hard sell? Maybe, because didn't he write it? Didn't he write episodes one to three first? Or did he actually write them as a prequel? He... He claims that he had this nine-episode vision, but as I said again in episode 13, George Lucas has changed his mind so many times about where he wanted this series to go and the plot lines and what his original ideas were over the years, so we're not going to speculate on that. People who are much more informed and nerdy about this whole thing probably know more about it than we do, but... It's my understanding that George Lucas had some idea, but he was restricted by time, budget, technology. I don't think that he had a a nine-episode thing in his mind originally back in the 70s, and if he did, it's definitely not what it has turned into. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know. Okay. We watched the... This this had to have been a re-release because it's got the CG creatures in there. And the alien Jabba that obviously wasn't a part of the original release of this. Yeah, so this was released in 1977, just called Star Wars. Yeah. And then three years later, the sequel came out titled Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. 
And then in 1981, one year later, the first Star Wars from 77 was re-released as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And that's when they changed Jabba from a man into the creature. And then again in the 90s, in preparation for the prequel trilogy, they re-released it again, and that's when they added in all the bad CGI aliens. They, they don't need to be there. They don't, they don't add anything. I was thinking last night, like, do a re-release again of the original trilogy because you've got such better so much better animation technology now and put in some actual good looking ones yeah and just, just say, fix up what you've already done yeah i'm just thinking like can you imagine re-releasing a movie these days of like a 12 15 year old movie or even one that was released four years ago because the original re-release and it's like okay we're, we're changing the official title of this now we're adding in these characters, this is the movie now. Because I don't think you can get that original one that was screened in 1977. I, I've never seen it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, my friend Tim, also a big push like you to get me to see more pop culture, um, he talked about, like, in his house, they had, like, three different copies of every episode yep. in his house. He said they had, like, one classic, one re-release, one that was, like, taped from TV. Like, it was just Star Wars everywhere. So, And did it have the ones before the CG? I was going to say he probably has them. I should... Or had them. I should ask him about that. I just think that's definitely something that would never be possible again. To just be like, oh, okay, I'm going to retroactively fix my movie. I'm going to officially change the title of it from Star Wars to Episode Four: A New Hope. Like... Not only the fact that it's, like, impossible and you'd never be able to get the copies back because everything's on the internet, but mm. the brand image in people's minds, people would lose their minds, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you'd never be able to fix that. And it's such a weird concept to be like, yeah, I, I, I went back and fixed my movie. Yeah. Or added in all these CG characters 20 years after it was released. Go back and fix that shit because it looks bad. And take out that fucking singing scene from whatever episode two or three that's in there that's so bad yeah which which one has the bad canteen i think it's one of the prequels where they go to a cantina and it's like this really bad cg it might be episode one do you know what it reminds me of that scene is the same as the freaking goblin town song in the hobbit yeah like that's not a good thing to remind you of no like you know what i mean they don't neither of them need to be there they got bad cg aliens and goblins just take that shit out see i feel like george lucas was like oh we got this new technology we have to use it look at this this is amazing no it's not you and so he ran it into the dead well it wasn't bad considering where they had come from so he's like let's just use the shit out of it that just shows that you don't have any foresight you know what i mean yeah. Like, surely you know technology will get better and better. You don't know exactly where it's going to go, but you know it will get better. Yeah, but he didn't want to wait another 20 years. He'd already waited so long. I just, I feel like because he did use the shit out of it, and it's so in your face that it's in your face how bad it is compared to what we have now. If you, like, sensationalize this bad animation, of course people are going to notice it's like, oh, here it is again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I think this movie is actually riddled with errors and inconsistencies and there's actually so many things wrong with it, little things, that, like I said, 
nerdier Star Wars fans probably know of a hell of a lot more than we do. So we're not going to be nitpicky and pick out those little things because I think a lot of those are given. Um, A lot of them are just cliches at this point and jokes um, within the Star Wars universe. So I don't know if this episode that we're covering is necessarily for those who have seen it a crazy number of times. We really go into these things as if, like I said at the beginning... It's the best movies you might not have ever seen. So it's people who, much like yourself, have only seen it maybe once, twice. My sister hasn't seen it. Um, People like that, you know what I mean? I'm not targeting this show for hardcore fans because I feel like those sort of people would listen to this and be like, well, that's obvious and let's look at this more. Well, and here's the thing too, is that I consider myself quite a strong Star Wars fan now. I've watched through the series once. You come into this... And the first one, and you're kind of like, wow, you know what I mean? Because it's this new concept to you as a viewer who you, like, when you haven't seen it before. And then you watch through, and then you go back, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. But like we say, on a first viewing, you're not going to notice this stuff as much, and it's only going to become, like, yeah, well, uh, that doesn't quite work. But it's excusable because of what it kind of represents and what it became. And I think that's why it's still excusable is because when it released, it was this small thing and it was so new. And now it's blown up into this massive franchise that is internationally known and renowned and loved. And there are people out there who have watched this hundreds of times, so of course they're going to pick up on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I hadn't really noticed before that you picked out when we watched it was Han, when he's talking to Jabba the Hutt, he calls him a wonderful human being. Because yeah. of his generosity. And I'm like, well, that kind of stands out a lot these days because he's not a human being anymore. They changed him into this thing. He's yeah. very far from a human being. Um, he's and a it's giant things slug. in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Han's character says quite a few things. Even, even the sequels to this even has a lot of errors in it. And they've tried to retroactively fix some of those in the coming movies and just write it into the lore and just, just try and own it. But there are there is quite a few things in there, but I don't really care that much, honestly, about no, the same. errors and the inconsistencies. There's another thing that I noticed right off is that when Luke and Han go to save Leia, immediately she she knows who Luke is. And I mean we could speculate that oh it's the force, she feels the connection. Ugh. But like I think it was just like gloss over writing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not going to take away from your experience of how fucking awesome this movie is. Yeah. When I was listening to this, when we were watching it this time, this has to be the single best movie score ever. Every element of this. Like, I understand that the score is very similar for every Star Wars movie, but considering this is the first one and it has a very distinct feel to it that feels like the first Star Wars, it's actually incredible just to listen to it from John Williams. Does this one have the main Vader score? You know, I don't think it does. I think that comes in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of that big hangar scene when he's walking Yeah, it's like... Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun. So both of those are kind of like the iconic themes. They play that introductory score to every movie, I think. So that's like Star Wars. You yeah. Know, and then Vader. There are a lot of little scenes and and in-between scenes in this where it just, it sounds great. Even if it doesn't have that big Star Wars theme running through it, it's still, it's a great score. I don't even know what else would even contest it. What else did he 
did he write? Um, I think I went over this in Empire Strikes Back. I listed yeah. off. He did like the Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park, um, Jaws. He did Harry Potter. He's done a I lot of things. I thought he did Harry Potter. And that's the thing is that pretty well any really iconic movie score that really sticks in your mind and fits really well with the theme of what it representing, you can guess that it's probably John Williams. Yeah. You want to get into spoilers? Yes, please. I was going to mention that I think that I like the two sequels to this more than the first one. So this is my least enjoyable one out of the original trilogy. But that doesn't mean anything because I really quite like the original trilogy. They have a very particular flavor that I really quite like. And I think I probably put it four or five overall out of all the Star Wars movies, which could be a bit controversial. But that's just saying that I really like the Star Wars movies. And I've seen them all a handful of times each. Mm. Here's the thing, right? Is that you kind of have to cut some slack to any first in a major series because it's it's the first one well i feel like it wasn't trying to world build as much as the first of a series normally would be because it wraps up very nicely towards the end of this yeah um there was a little bit with the whole force and the background behind his father and all that uh there was a little bit there but not really it's a very self-contained movie Which is probably why they were able to expand on it so well, because, you know, they you pitched this thing, it was wildly successful, and you're like, cool, let's keep going with it. Whereas, I hate it when you see movies or series that are really good, but they just, they don't get the support of a network, and so they're cancelled. Like, Pan Am was so ready, and they left cliffhangers, and then they only got funded for one season, and they aren't doing it anymore. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. Makes me so sad. I was just going to ask, what is the big deal about Han shooting Greedo first? Do you know the story behind this? No. Tell me. Apparently, <laughs> what was that for? Because I'm just like, I've heard of it, but I don't know what the deal is and who fucking cares, but whatever. Let's Pretty talk much. About who it. fucking cares, right? Yeah. Essentially, in the original release, um, Han and Greedo are talking, and I, I apologize if I got, got this wrong. Han just shoots Greedo, and it's seemingly for no reason. Like, he straight up murders a dude. And it's like, what the what the fuck? What'd you do the that for? The other one had a gun in his face. He didn't in the original, though. And then, in the re-release, I believe it was the second re-release, the one from the 90s, they put in a scene to make it look like Greedo shoots at Han at the exact same time, misses his head, and then Han retaliates and shoots him back. And then everyone's like, what the fuck? You can completely change the way that character works because Han shooting first shows a lot about his character. He doesn't think about consequences and he just like straight well, up kills doesn't. this guy. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And the fact that they changed it changed the way people... Like that's the, the initial time you ever see Han as a character and they change that interaction... And I believe that's why people are like, what the fuck? Why'd you change that for? Because now it looks like Han didn't shoot first. And everyone's like, Han completely shot first. So I I don't... I can understand that to an extent. But like you said, who gives a fuck, right? I understand it. I think the change was for the better. If I I'm think it was as well. Opinionation, because I think it fits better with the portrayal of Han Solo, the character that they're trying to go for. Also, wasn't Greedo like ripping him off in that scene? That's why he was going to shoot him. It's kind of justified a little bit. 
No, he was trying to collect money. Greedo was trying to collect money. For Jabba. And he's like, if you don't give me the money, I'll shoot you. And he's like, well, I can't do that. Bang, gone. Okay, so Han was in the wrong. Yeah, he had debt to pay. Okay, so he had he had debt to pay, and then he straights up shoots the guy who's trying to get the money. It just it's a bad look. This is a better look that fits better with the character of Han Solo that is present in the rest of the movies. Okay. Okay. Like I think this is the only version I've seen. I yeah, think I'd it like to see the is, original. Fits better because to to see the original and then think of the Han Solo I've come to know through this series, it's just like, well, he's not an asshole. He is a little bit. He is I was going to say, bit. he's a bit of a headstrong idiot, but he's not really an asshole. Okay. You know? There are definitely hardcore Star Wars fans who don't like that scene, and they still believe that Han shot first in the original. Right. And that'll always be to them sort of thing. And I'm just like, well, what's, what's the big deal? Crazy conversation. I love talking about movies like this. Like, I love... Yeah. Uh, That's why we do this podcast. Yeah. It's fun. I'd never understood the first time I watched this why Obi-Wan had just given himself up to Darth Vader during that fight um, for ages. But I realize now, only because I've watched the sequels and know the lore behind it, that he was wanting to, like, transition into the Force. He's part it's of the not Force now. really explained in this movie, and it doesn't really get explained for quite some time. The best explanation is the most recent one, uh, as of this recording, which is The Last Jedi, as um, Luke transitions into the Force the same way that Obi-Wan did at the end of that movie. Sorry for spoilers for that one. But yeah, that's definitely not explained in this. I'm like, what the fuck? He just, like, literally surrenders. Oh, he's now gone? Where's his body? What the fuck? That's kind of a big pill to swallow for someone who's never seen this before. I'm trying to remember my initial reaction to this, because the last time I saw this was the first time I saw it, so I was going into it, like, totally cool. Yeah, because this is the second time I've seen it. And I remember... I think I remember being kind of confused, because you see him smile, but then he dies. And I was like... No, not Obi-Wan. You it was know what pretty I mean? anticlimactic. His death? No, it wasn't. He, like, it's like lightsaber, and then his cloak just falls and there's nothing there. It's like, what the fuck? Like, he vaporized? Yeah, it's a what, what the, the fuck? fuck? It's not It's not climactic at all. That, that's not really... I'm like, cool, now, what, what the hell did I just watch? But then it kind of, as soon as I start hearing Obi-Wan talking to him, I'm like, oh, he's with the Force. Okay. You know what I mean? So, Considering that this is the first Star Wars movie and they just introduced what the Force was, I think this is a better portrayal of that character's ending only because we know about the Force from the sequels. It's, it's retroactively looking back. Yeah, so I would definitely say that this is one where you kind of have to watch Rewatch, them all yeah. and then watch them again and you're going to enjoy them like that much more. And I don't think that's unfortunate that you have to rewatch them. I think it's kind of awesome because it just means that your love for this, if you dig it, is going to grow and grow each time. Well, you see it's it. one of those movies where you're rewarded for watching it again and again. It, it's yeah. enjoyable. It's not painful. It's not a slug to try and watch this again. It's like, ugh, I've got to watch Star Wars again. People love to watch it again. It's very Lord of the Rings-esque in that In that way. Well, Lord of the Rings is still a bit more of a drag out than this is because a lot happens in two hours. In this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Which I'll get to in a second. I just wanted to say, do you remember seeing that scene from a couple of months ago? There was these special effects guys on YouTube who redid that death scene. 
I was thinking of that right when we were watching it. Yeah, which I highly recommend. Yeah, I'm trying to think who it was. I believe it was called FX It in Post, like Fix It in Post, Special Effects It in Post. They basically took that scene and a few um, old scenes like that, and I think they did it digitally. They did a final Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight scene using the force and lightsabers, and they recreated that final scene and spliced it in with the movie, and it looks fantastic. It's so, so much more badass. Because you look at this and I'm like, ooh, lightsabers. Like, the battles just get so much better from this movie onward, because in this one they're like, won't, won't, artistic spin with no actual purpose, won't, you know what I mean? That's kind of it. Whereas... In this revamp of this fight scene, it's much more Yoda, fucking badass, lightsaber battle, jumping all over the place. People hate that jumping all over the place scene. I love that jumping all over the place scene. From the Clone Wars? Yes, that's what made me fall in love with Yoda. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that. Even hardcore Star Wars fans, which are very hard to please, by the way. Love this special effects scene with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. So if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Just Google it and you'll see it. Um, And it works so well with the final scene of Obi-Wan in in A New Hope. You could stick that in the movie and it would... would Disney should hire these guys. They were incredible. I think that's like the only video that they've got on their YouTube channel and it's got millions of views. Good for them. Hashtag way to get rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, years of work. They, They worked on this for like 18 months or whatever. Yeah, so I was saying, even when watching this, I didn't realize how much actually happens in two hours. And I think that happens for the entire original trilogy, where it's just like, the ending of this movie compared to the beginning of this movie is completely different. Like, there's so much that actually happens, and it doesn't feel like it's taking forever, and it doesn't feel all too forced. It does it at times, but it's it's done in a good way, which I kind of like. So I've written down, like, some of the main story points just to be like, let's check this out. Let's break this down. What do you think? Yeah, I just want to say there's some stuff that they do gloss over a little bit, but again, it's kind of forgivable. So Yeah, I think, like you said, every element of that where they do do that, it is forgivable. So the movie starts with Leia's Leah. Everyone calls it Leia. It's it's Leah. It's clearly Leah in in the movie. No, they only mention it once. They call her Leia. And in the prequel trilogy, Padme pronounces her name Leia when she's born. And there is one guy who is like the rebel general who pronounces her name Leah. There's a lot of... um, No, there's Obi-Wan and Luke in this movie call her Leah. I'm just going to say Leia because I think that's what's been accepted right now. There's a few things that have been mispronounced. Like even Luke, what was Leia's home planet called? Alderaan. Yeah, he, he says Alderan and then he switches to Alderon. Yeah. It's all hard to pronounce words and And even in whatever. the sequel to this, Lando Calrissian, he calls Han Han, even though they're longtime friends, apparently. Whatever. So the movie starts with Leia's ship being attacked by the Empire, and she sends out these droids with a message, right? So it starts yep. with, like, the space battle. Which I want to say, the very first moment... That you meet C-3PO, he's a negative pain in the ass. He's the he's eternal like pessimist. He's like every movie. The, but it's just like right from the very beginning, it's like there's no question, like there's no shadow of a doubt that he's like fucking just a nervous wrecking grumpy all the time. Just wanted R2-D2 to say that. R2-D2 is 
such more of a likable character, and he doesn't fucking say anything. He, all he says is beeps and boops, and he's just so much, like, he's got character. He really, really does. The one where you really sh- see that is Empire Strikes Back. Like, he's in the swamp and... Like, oh, yeah, in the swamp. squeals yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, C-3PO's a pain in the ass. So these droids are captured, and then they're sold to a farmer on a planet. One of the droids runs away. Luke and the other one, C-3PO, have to go find him, and they run into Obi-Wan, which I believe his uncle calls him an old wizard, which I hadn't yeah. really picked up before. <laughs> Uh, then they go to the cantina in town to try and find a pilot so that they can get the message that was inside one of the drones back to the princess. After which, you know, like, this is just after the Empire burns down his uncle's farm and kills his aunt and uncle. Oh, yeah, trying to find these droids. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Princess Leia's whole planet is destroyed by this super weapon. And then while looking for the planet, Luke and Han, the pilot, are captured by this superweapon, the Death Star. They disguise themselves as stormtroopers and rescue Princess Leia upon the Death Star, almost getting crushed by a trash compactor. They have to shoot their way out. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan evaporates into the Force. While fighting with Darth Vader. Yeah, or the, the all-great and powerful Darth Vader. They manage to leave the Death Star. They go to the Rebel base, which is on another planet, with the plans. Luke joins the X-Wing fighters. They then go back to the Death Star with the Rebels, making a one in a million shot, destroying the moon-sized superweapon, and then they all return back to the Rebel planet to be awarded with medals in this award ceremony, all with, like, a bunch of people who they just met. Like, Luke and Han hadn't met before, Leia and Han hadn't met before... Um, it's just, there's quite a lot that happens. Like, there's a lot of relationships, yeah. there's deaths and formations, and in just two hours, it, it's like, it feels like a whole series. If this were done today, this would be broken down into a whole trilogy, just this one movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I kind of like that, because it doesn't have room for bullshit. It fast-tracks your enthusiasm. Yeah, you know what it I mean? yada yada's over the bullshit, let's get to the good stuff you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just something that I hadn't remembered from watching it. I'm like, oh, actually, there's there's quite a lot that happens. Like, that opening scene where no one knows anyone Mm. compared to the very last scene, and they're all just, like, buddy-buddy friends now, and they've Mm. got awarded for, like, destroying this super weapon that no one even knew about until, like, four-fifths of the way through the movie. I was just remembering that Leia never actually met Obi-Wan. Like, at all. Yeah. She'd be like, yeah, who who was that guy? Who are you talking about? Yeah, that's kind of a good point. Yeah, but like it glosses over that, you know. It's not like it matters, but I'm just like, they're trying to get the princess and he's like, wait here, I'll go deal with, what was he dealing with? What did he go to deal with? Oh, I'll go deal with the um the converters or whatever so we can get the ship out and then we'll go get the princess. And then he gets sidetracked and evaporates and then they take off. Evaporates. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's it's a very fast movie. Um, Like you just said, like it... It skips over a lot of points just to get to the big stuff. But you never feel lost. Yeah. Like I said, there are little things where I'm like, well, why the fuck did that happen? Why? But like you said, Eh, they're they're not story-driven ones. They're not really like ones where it's like, well, I can't continue now. I have no idea what's going on. They're little things where I'm like, I don't know why I did that. But whatever, let's just continue. That's essentially what it is. I want to talk about some cool effects, too, that I noticed and that I didn't remember before. I like that scene in the beginning in the desert where C-3PO is found by the sand people 
What 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 would their ship thing be called? The Jawa Mobile. Okay, well. I don't know. I made that up. I have no idea what they okay. called. Okay, that scene in the desert where C three PO gets captured by the Sand People. He's kind of calling them over. He doesn't realize that you know he's going to get captured. He thinks it's help, and he's standing beside that great big skeleton. Oh yeah, the, I the remember big thinking, dragon thing. Yeah, I'm like that's such a nice touch. Yeah. I really liked that. Um, And just other things, too. We were talking about how good, like, a lot of the times, other than the shitty CGI, this movie looks really good. Because it's all practical. Yeah. And I'm just like, those spaceships, like, they look awesome. I don't know. You would have had to have done, like, models on sticks or something to do these scenes. But they all look really good. Which is why I think they tried to come back to that for the sequel trilogy by doing everything sort of more practical so that it mm. looks better and it ages better and because no one really liked a lot of the CG that was used in the prequel trilogy. It was okay because it was all CG so it didn't stick out like a sore thumb mm, like, yeah, okay. like the CG does in this one. It's like when you're comparing puppets to CG in the same frame, that's when it's like, whoa, what the fuck? Exactly. That's when it's really super evident. Um, Except for Jar Jar. Jar Jar looks, you know, much as I love him, I know I'm alone in that. But um, he (laughs) he looks ridiculous. (laughs) Fucking Jar Jar. You like Jar Jar? I do. All right. I really liked it, even though it's a few spots down on my list. I think it, it has aged reasonably well because of those practical effects. And I don't think there's much else that we can say that hasn't been said about this movie already. I mean, it's fucking Star Wars. I was just thinking, you just said that, and I'm just thinking to myself, I've been swearing a lot more in this episode than I have in previous ones, but just because I fucking love Star Wars. Just like I fucking love Lord of the Rings, I fucking love Star Wars. Yeah. Everything about it, the lore. I think my favorite part is the space battle scenes and the spaceships. Yeah, even when I was watching this, I was like, how the hell is that models? Because it looks so good. They look really good. Um, and it all would have been model work. Yeah. Um, the special effects department must have just been gone nuts and they must have loved it, you know. And it's just, it's even still, it's so different than anything we've ever really seen. Like the the only mechanical entity that we have that kind of looks anything like what you would see in Star Wars is maybe a drone. You know, like nothing looks like a helicopter or Are you a plane. saying in reality? In reality, Yeah. Um, you know, like, nothing looks like a TIE fighter, nothing looks like an X-Wing, nothing looks yeah. like a Star Destroyer. I mean, um, aircraft carriers, maybe, that's I know what they're probably saying. based on, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, everything feels fantastical because of it, and I, I just, I love that. Really good. Go watch Star Wars! We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, check us out on all the socials, and comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening.